Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and I am trying to hold in my excitement right now, but it is very difficult, and you're going to hear me kind of just ramble and rant. You're going to hear my voice get loud like this. I don't know if I'll be doing too much mumbling, maybe when I'm puzzled of sorts anyways 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 today is episode 78 why is that so important well numerically it, it's not really important it's just another episode I, there's no dedication there's just no nothing fancy about it it's just episode 78 but today but today marks the first ever podcast episode recording of Murph's Boston Sports Talk in the new shop yes Currently, right now, live for me, but not really live for you because you're listening on on a pre-recorded. Well, you know what I mean. We are recording the first ever episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk in the shop, which will be called Murph's Car Town and Sports Shop. If you've been sleeping under a rock, I cannot wait for what the future holds. Wi-Fi was just installed today, literally 20 minutes ago. Had to do a couple of this and look a little bit of that, and then I just sat my ass down and started talking into this mic. Oh, my goodness. It feels so good. Let me scoop my ass closer. It feels so good to not be out of the house because that was fun recording in the house, but I'm here at the shop. No distractions. Just me 
talking to you, talking about the Red Sox, the Bruins, the Celtics, and or the Patriots. But before we get into our topics for the day, there are some pleasantries that I need to go over first. And that is, how are you doing today? How was your week? Thank you so much for joining me for episode number 78 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I already introduced myself. You know the deal. It's just me. Oh, hopefully you had a fantastic week. A little bit of rain, some nice sunshine. It's beautiful outside right now. I think Kim's on her way to the beach. If not, she's already at the beach. So she's taking advantage of the beautiful weather. And hopefully you are too. Currently right now, as you're listening or already did earlier today, yesterday, whenever you may be listening to this episode. But boy, oh boy, I ugh, it's so hard to just hide my excitement. Hopefully you had a great week. Hopefully you have a great upcoming weekend like I do. Just me at the shop setting it up. But yes, that's besides the point. Anyways, folks, thank you so much for downloading, listening, enjoying. And I am just super excited to get the ball rolling for this episode. We have Patriots to talk about. Some news out of training camp. And also a quote or a piece from Patriot Nation beloved. Max Kellerman from ESPN's First Take. And we're also going to talk how awful, awful the Red Sox are doing as of late. Basically, ever since the turn of August, let's call it, past seven days or so. Absolutely horrific. It's It's been abysmal. And then to wrap up the episode, I do kind of want to talk a little bit of Celtics and how free agency is going for them as you see players being moved left and right. Meanwhile, the Celtics currently, to date, have been pat, not doing anything. However, they were very active before free agency started earlier in the offseason. But nonetheless, nonetheless, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Let's talk about what Max Kellerman had to say as he explains why the New England Patriots are a dark horse Super Bowl contender. Pause. Let that sink in for a moment. Ask yourself, are the Patriots a Super Bowl contender? Me? I'll say yes. How serious of a contender is a different question. Do I think that they're a serious Super Bowl contender? Well, that's going to depend on a lot of things. That's going to depend on how the roster shapes out, uh, potential injuries, who's the quarterback, your weapons. It's going to de- it's going to determine on a lot of factors. And yes, you could arguably say that for any and all teams basically around the league. But as long as the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. And unless the Jets get Patrick Mahomes, I don't see the Chiefs being a Super Bowl contender. See my point there? So, anyways, will the Patriots be a Super Bowl contender this year? I think so. How serious of one? Like I said, that's going to de- uh, determine on a lot of factors. But Max Kellerman believes that the Patriots will be a Super Bowl contender straight up. No and, ifs, or buts. So, this is an article from Yahoo Sports. Um, this is from Nick Goss, who you know basically was reacting to and writing about the odd, though I almost knocked over my monitor, uh, about what Max Kellerman explained, explaining why the Pats are a dark horse Super Bowl contender. And here we go. The New England Patriots are a team primed for a bounce back season. 
After a disappointing 2020 season that saw the Patriots miss the playoffs for the first time since 2008, which, by the way, was bullshit based off a tiebreaker. Anyways, and finished with a losing record for the first time since 2000, the team loaded up in the offseason with a free agent spending spree. Just how much better will the Patriots be in 2021? ESPN's Max Kellerman is willing to throw the Patriots into a into the, quote, dark horse Super Bowl contender category. Quote, you want a dark horse? Try the New England Patriots, Kellerman said Thursday on ESPN's first take. Try the Patriots on for size. Take a team with a head coach slash GM with something to prove in Bill Belichick, the GOAT. With Tom Brady just winning the Super Bowl, do you think Belichick is going to be ready? Now, before I go any further, do I think Belichick is going to be ready? Well, based on how this past offseason went, I would like to think so. I would like to think that Bill is locked and loaded, ready to rock and roll for this coming season. But the man keeps freaking saying Cam Newton is the quarterback. Why? Is it because he's a veteran? Well, 20 20 years ago now, Drew Bledsoe coming back from injury was a veteran and he was still benched for Tom Brady, who at the time wasn't proven except for a couple of wins here and there during Bledsoe's hiatus due to his injury. And Belichick stuck with Brady due to his performance. And I'm hearing and reading out of Patriots camp that Mac Jones is playing currently better and performing better at camp than Mac uh, than Cam Newton. Side note, did you know that Cam is Mac spelt backwards or that Mac is Cam spelt backwards? I heard it on the radio and I was like, holy shit, you're right. Didn't even think of it. Didn't even think of it, but it is what it is. Anyways, so do I think Belichick will be ready? Well, if he starts Mac Jones, I'm going to say yes. But if he starts Cam Newton, then he has something else to prove besides winning a Super Bowl. And what is that? I could not tell you. Anyways, going back to the article. Quote, a team that has two that was two plays away from a 9-7 and record in a year where they had a brand new quarterback in Cam Newton, opposite of the guy they used to have, a guy who had an injury and hadn't played in a year. A guy playing for a team whose defense lots guys to... What? Is that a typo? Oh, that is a typo. (laughs) A guy from a team whose defense lost several guys due to opt-outs due to COVID-19 before the season started. Practice facilities got shut down. No time to practice. Bill Belichick couldn't prepare. And Cam couldn't learn because there was no preseason or practice. And then Cam Newton got COVID. Now they're still... Two, pl- two plays away from 9-7. and seven. All right, so I just got jumbled up because in that sentence it says, whose defense lots, that's supposed to say lost, and in the last sentence, now there's still T-O plays away from 9-7. and seven. That should be T-W-O. This guy got to figure it out or the editor or something. I don't know. Should I not keep reading? Could this just not be a good article to keep reading? I like the information here. It's just the grammar and the spelling is brutal. Anyways. How far are we going to go with the COVID-19 excuse on why the Patriots were abysmal? Every team went through COVID-19 last year with opt-outs, 
no preseason, no practices, no preseason games, no minicamp, no this, no that. Players got uh, uh, infected with COVID. Players do miss time due to COVID. Every single team. But you don't see the Buccaneers complaining about it. Although they lost in the Super Bowl, you don't see the Chiefs complaining about it. Oh, how about the Browns that had a fantastic season and was, you know, almost uh, almost made a massive comeback against the, the Chiefs in the divisional round? You don't hear them making excuses about COVID-19. Why is it only the Patriots that are making excuses about COVID-19? How about we just look at it for face value and say that Belichick put together a terrible roster last year he had, yes, I'll give him the fact that he had some key defensive players opt out. But how about not addressing the wide receiver position? How about not addressing the tight end position? How about not addressing the quarterback position until July when basically the only one left was Cam Newton? But you did have Jared Stidham still on your roster. Granted, Stidham wasn't proven. He's not shown the ability to play well, but he was an option. Some people would say that he was a better option than Cam Newton. Some people really wanted Cam Newton to not play those last two games and let the kid show out during those last two games of the season when the Patriots were officially eliminated from the playoffs. But Bill Belichick chose to stick to Cam Newton. Why? Why, why, why? Defense, yes, was good at times. And it was terrible at times. However, look at the facts for face value. How long are we going to give Belichick and the Patriots the benefit of the doubt and say COVID was the reason why they went 7-9, and they stunk in almost every offensive category, and they were abysmal all season long? You don't hear the Jets who finished ass cheeks complaining about COVID. You don't hear the freaking Jaguars finish last place and you don't hear them uh, complaining about COVID no because they were able to walk away with the best quarterback slash best prospect in the draft fair enough anyways that's besides my point continuing with the article quote Cam the former MVP who's been to a Super Bowl don't get me started on that who before he got hurt was having the best passing season of his career in 2018 with Norv Turner as his offensive coordinator they didn't have tight ends last year Bill Belichick's whole offense is predicted on tight ends. They went out and got John o. Smith and Hunter Henry. How many guys did they sign? Wideouts, tight ends, the defense, the defense is back. The Patriots are a true dark horse. End quote. All right, I'm going to skip along uh, a little bit because the, the writer, Nick Goss, just kind of breaks it down. Anyways, New England's aggressive approach in free agency bolstered the roster on both sides of the ball. Kellerman mentioned the tight ends, but the Patriots also acquired wide receivers Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne as free agents. The defense was upgraded with the signs of linebacker Matthew Judon, David Godchow, Jalen Mills, and others. The offensive line could be a top-five unit after the trade for ta tackle Trent Brown and the team re-signing David Andrews. The quarterback situation should also improve with the drafting of first-round pick Mac Jones coming off a national title-winning season at Alabama. Despite all of these reasons for optimism, oddmakers still aren't giving the Patriots much of a chance to win their seventh Lombardi trophy. The Patriots have the 17th best odds to win the Super Bowl 
uh, Super Bowl 56 at plus 3,300. According to Points Bet's latest betting lines, the Los Angeles Chargers have the same odds. The Pats are certainly a long shot to win the Super Bowl next season. There's little doubt about that. However, the Patriots' return to the playoffs wouldn't be surprising given the offseason improvements made. The 17th best odds. Are the Patriots currently the 17th best team in the league? Let's see. There's seven teams that make it to the playoffs now. 14 teams total. So basically by their perspective, by points, bets, whatever, they're out of the playoffs. They are out of the playoffs completely. I mean, after everything, everything, I still believe the Patriots are a playoff team. Do I like their odds? Excuse me. No, not one bit. I don't think they'll win. I don't think they'll even make the Super Bowl, the Final Four, and the championship. I could see the divisional round absolutely, whether it's uh, I no way they get they get the one seed and get a bye. They'll be in the wild card game. I can see them playing and winning the wild card game. Obviously, that's way, 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 way down the line. However, Max Kellman saying that the Patriots are a potential dark horse, or saying that they are a dark horse team. I think that's a little bit out of the realm of possibility. I love to be optimistic. However, I'm very critical at times when I need to be. And I'm trying not to be critical right now. However, I just don't see it happening. Would I love it? Absolutely. Duh. No shit. But honestly, you know me. I'm super realistic. And I see it for what it is. There's just way too much in front of the Patriots for them to even sniff the Super Bowl. Now, if they have Mac Jones as their starter, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Mac Jones will lead the Patriots to a Super Bowl title. No. Every team that picks a quarterback in the top 10 always say that every year. When the Jets draft Zach Wilson, oh, Super Bowl. Trevor Lawrence for the Dragons, Super Bowl. Mark Sanchez, Super Bowl. Uh, Johnny Mann, Super Bowl, even though he was like the 27th pick, whatever. I'm not going to say and tell you that first-round quarterback is going to lead you to the Super Bowl. However, your chances are significantly higher because Mac Jones is very smart, intelligent, and he knows when to make the plays, and he makes the right ones. Whether that is trying to fit a ball through a tight window, maybe that is throwing the ball away, Maybe that is, you know what, moving up in the pocket and finding a check down. These are plays we did not see Cam Newton make last year. And listen, I'm not the biggest college football watcher. I love myself Alabama. They're my favorite football team. I'll sit down and watch them any day of the week. You know, college football, arguably, potentially, in some people's eyes, a better product than the NFL. Let's not even go into the NBA and basketball. But what I've seen from Mac Jones in his one full year as a starter, and I hate to say this, but he does a lot of the things that Brady does. Or any pocket quarterback. You could say Peyton Manning. Okay? I'll be fine. Give him the Peyton Manning comparison. That's fine. He's getting inducted to the Hall of Fame very shortly. I don't know exactly what day. But Mac Jones is a much better pure passing quarterback than Cam Newton is. And in the league that is revolving around passing 
the football more than ever before. That's what you need to succeed. Cam Newton, unfortunately, can't do that. You can blame COVID. You can blame his bum shoulder. You can blame the shortened preseason or lack thereof. Go ahead. What I saw last year looks to be a washed up quarterback that has lost it. Now, does that mean that he can't still be good as a backup? Sure. If I need Cam Newton for one game and Mac Jones is my normal quarterback, but, you know, say he's, I don't know, say he got the flu or something. Or I I don't want to say COVID because that's going to trigger way too many people. But just let's say he doesn't feel good and he can't play. So Cam Newton needs to start one game. I can deal with that. I can deal with Cam Newton starting one game. But do I want him starting 17 regular season games? Oh, hell no. I don't. But listen, if the Patriots want to be serious, they need Mac Jones to be the starting quarterback. Now, you could also argue that Mac Jones has no experience. He has no experience against an NFL defense while Cam Newton does. Well, I'll say to you, what what did that experience do for Cam Newton last year? Except suck. (laughs) I mean... Cam Newton has a lot, lot of great, you know, moments in the NFL. He does. None of them were with the Patriots. And I just think his time is up. I don't want to say here in New England. I don't want to say here in the NFL. But at least as the Patriots quarterback. Because the Patriots offense is built on the foundation of a pocket quarterback that was here for 20 years in Tom Brady. And now you're going to completely revert your offense and revamp it into a completely different style than what it is. You tried that last year and it really didn't work out with Cam Newton. However, now that you have a pocket quarterback in Mac Jones who's getting comparisons to Brady and Favre and Manning. Okay. So now you can go back to what your offense is comfortable doing for the past 20 years with Mac Jones. Listen. If Mac Jones isn't the starting quarterback for week one, I have no freaking idea when he will be. And I've already broken this down. If Mac Jones isn't the starting quarterback week one, then will he be week five, week six? By then, it might already be too late to you know win the division or get into the playoffs. I mean, Buccaneers week four, you could be... Uh, two and one entering that game, three and zero, oh, or one and two, and a lot of people are chalking up that game against the Bucks as a loss. So whatever you think your your record is going into that game, add one loss. You could be one and three out of there, three and one or two and two. And if you're two and two, is it too late? I don't think so. But a lot of teams are better, and a lot of teams have better quarterback play. And ample times last year, we saw the Patriots lose due to poor quarterback play or poor quarterback decision-making. I believe Mac Jones needs to be the quarterback. Otherwise, why is he here? He was claimed to be the most NFL-ready quarterback out of the group of five. I forget if Trevor Lawrence was more NFL-ready than Mac Jones was. Probably But Trevor Lawrence's ceiling is just tremendously higher. So I'm not even going to argue to make that comparison. Who do you want passing the ball as your quarterback 
this year, if you're a New England Patriots fan, which I'm assuming you are if you're listening to this podcast, reach out to me on social media. Comment down below if you're listening on YouTube. Who do you want as your quarterback for the 2021 NFL season? Cam Newton or Mac Jones? And you can reach out to me on social media at Murphs underscore Boston ST. At Murphs underscore Boston ST. And obviously, if you're watching on YouTube, you can just scroll right down to the comments and type Mac Jones or Cam Newton there. Who do you want as your quarterback? Me, personally, I want Cam... Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. I want Mac Jones. My goodness, I am confusing myself. I want to know who you want. I want to know who you want because a lot of people want Mac Jones. Not a lot of people want Cam Newton. And I want to know if that's true or if that's just from a, you know, that claim is just from a select few. Anyways, let's go to another article from PatriotsWire.com. This one is written by Isaiah Hood. Hood? H-O-U-D-E. Sorry for mispronouncing your name. I'm so terrible. Terribly sorry. And the title says, Joan Williams explains he how he'll play wherever the Patriots need him. Now, Joan Williams, for those that may not be familiar, is a former second-round pick for the New England Patriots. A couple seasons ago, he's entering his third year. Didn't see much of him his first year. Last year, we saw him play for... Uh, in the article, it said 18% of defensive snaps. So, what can we expect from him this year? Well, it might be tough for him to make the uh, the team because you have Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones. I'm missing somebody. <laughs> uh, oh, here's here's a list right here. Um, you have Joe Juan Williams, Miles Bryant, and then you also have special teamer Justin Bethel. Now, Justin Bethel is not technically the cornerback. Like, Matthew Slater is a wide receiver, technically. But they're core special team guys. Anyways, let's go into the article. Locking up a roster spot isn't a guarantee for third-year defensive back Joan Williams. The 23-year-old was drafted by the New England Patriots in the second round as a cornerback. But he's proven to be versatile anywhere within the secondary. He's six foot three inches, 215 pounds, with the capability of covering tight ends and larger receivers as well, giving him an advantage during his race for the 53-man roster. Following training camp practice, Williams discussed his mindset heading into year three. Quote, it's really whenever they want me to be at, whether that's corner covering tight ends and being a safety. I'm just trying to learn, end quote. At the end of the day, just trying to learn the position and be valuable to this defense, Williams said. The Patriots' cornerback crew consists of Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones, Joan Williams, and Miles Bryant. New England's group of safeties consists of Devin McCourty, Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar, Cody Davis, and Justin Bethel. A few of these players are key special team players, which heightens the competition for a roster spot. Williams did play cornerback and safety last year, but he only appeared in 18% of defensive snaps, making a tough case this year within this loaded group. Now, Joe Juan Williams, for me, I was very surprised the Patriots took in the second round. What was it, 2019 draft? Why? I just think at the time they were very strong in the secondary, not just cornerback, but in the secondary, and they still relatively are. 
although pieces have come and gone since. And I really think that having Jawan Williams on this team, you know, for the 2021 season is a must. You have Stephon Gilmore, whose contract ends at the end of the season. And he also threatened with, you know, not playing. You have JC Jackson, whose contract is up at the end of this season, who is going to want the bag. And I really believe you should give him the bag because he is one of the best cornerbacks in this league. He's on your roster, undrafted. You should pay him. Don't go out and, you know, risk the chance of trying to find another undrafted guy and doing the process all over again just to save a few dollars. Take care of your own. And I do not want to start and go into the whole Patriots never pay their young guys because they don't. And I just, that's a whole can of worms I don't want to get into right now. You guys know how I feel about that. I ranted and rambled about that a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago about it. I forget what the discussion was at the time, why we were talking about it, to be honest. Anyways, that doesn't matter. Patriots, Belichick, probably Belichick mainly, I mean, yeah, because he's the GM, duh, has such a terrible tendency of not paying your own guys. It, it just mind blows me. And now I understand that he's very cap conscious because, you know, 53 guys, you know, can get expensive depending on who it is. And I just, you know, there's some players that I really didn't think that he should trade it away because they should have kept at the time. And I'll admit, I was wrong about some of them. However, I just don't think J.C. Jackson, you should let J.C. Jackson walk. I really don't because get uh, Gilmore, say he leaves, Jackson leaves, and then now you got Joe Juan Williams who's potentially cut at the end of the season. Who are you going to have? Jonathan Jones who's a slot cornerback? Then you're going to have to find two outside guys and a backup. That's not that easy. <laughs> it's not that easy. I just listen. You have um, Kyle Duggar, who's been who's shown to be very versatile, whether in the Pat Chung role, and I think Joe Juan Williams can be a good hybrid safety cornerback. I really do. You can really hide and mix up your covers, whether it could be cover two or cover three with him on the field. You could even do the same thing with Kyle uh, Kyle Duggar, where it looks like it's cover two, but it's cover one. I'm not going to go into all defense because a lot of people may not understand it. Some people may do. I just don't think if you're going to cut a guy, I don't think it should be Joe Juan Williams. And I could sit here and break down the whole roster and say, keep that guy, cut that guy, trade him, keep him, keep him, cut him. Could sit there and do that. However, I'd rather do it closer towards the end of preseason where we can actually get a good idea of what the roster is going to look like because we all know Bill Belichick. What we see today is what we will not see tomorrow. He will make trades. He will make moves, signing, waving, cutting, all that good stuff. But don't do it to Joe Juan Williams because Gilmore could be gone. J.C. Jackson could be gone. If you do cut Joe Juan Williams, he's gone. Who are you left with for the cornerback position next year? Nobody. Except Jonathan Jones your slot cornerback, and I guess Miles Bryant, who I never even heard of before in my life. So take it for what you want. If you guys think he should be cut, let me know and tell me why. But I, I ask you this. Who will replace Gilmore and Jackson when they inevitably leave because Bill Belichick will not pay either of them? Yeah, you can draft a guy, sure. But where are you going to draft him? And who are you going to get? 
My question's to you. So with all the Patriots chatter out of the way, we do have some Red Sox stuff to get into. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, am I furious with the Red Sox. In their last 10 games, they are 3-7. and seven. In the last 10 games, they are the worst team in the American League. In the last 10 games, for each team's respective last 10 games, they are the worst team. Your the not your but the Baltimore Orioles they're five and five the Twins they're four and six the Rangers they're four and six in the last ten games respectively, but you're three and seven. What about the rest of the league? Uh, Diamondbacks, Pirates, and Cubs are all three and seven as well. Oh, and the Mets are three and seven as well too. What are the Red Sox freaking doing? I told you at the deadline to go out and trade for a bat. A legitimate hitter. I understand Kyle Schwarber is a decent bat and he's injured. I'll give you that. But what happened to the consistency of this lineup? I'm going to start with Monday, July 26th. RIP my dad. That's his birthday. Bless up. I'm going to start with that day. And I'm going to give you the amount of runs the Red Sox have scored in each of the games since then ending with yesterday's loss to the Detroit Tigers. Monday, July 26th, five runs, win. Wednesday, the 28th, one run, loss. Uh, oh, doubleheader. I'm looking at it like, what? Four runs, the win. One run, loss. Friday, July 30th, the trade deadline, three runs, loss. Saturday, July 31st, five runs, lost. Two runs on August 1st, lost. August 3rd, two runs, lost. August 4th, four runs, win. Yesterday, August 5th, one run, lost. Your lineup has no consistency. Zero. Zero. Your leadoff hitter, Enrique Kike Hernandez, went 0 for 2 with two walks. I'll admit it, two walks. Still 0 for 2, doesn't look good. Rafael Devers, 2 for 5, great day. J.D. Martinez, 0 for 5. Bogarts, 0 for 3. Renfro, Renfro, 0 for 3. And then the bottom of your lineup, Kevin Ploiecki, 2 for 4. Verdugo, 2 for 3. Bobby Dahlback, 1 for 4. Marwin Gonzalez, 1 for 4. They had Bobby Dahlback play shortstop yesterday? I did not see that coming. I didn't know he could. I knew he was a third baseman. Huh. Interesting. And then Martin Perez. One and one-third, and I'm not even going to start on the pitching. Let me, let me just talk about the lineup first. Let me rant about the lineup for a couple minutes, and then I'll talk about the pitching. Thank you. This lineup has is so top-heavy, it's unbelievable. Bogarts, Devers, J.D. Martinez. There's days that those three are going to perform very well, and then there's days that are going to suck. It happens. It's baseball. But when you have a well-rounded lineup, it's easy to hide and concede that. And when they are playing well, you don't really notice it because the rest of your lineup is playing well as well. There's too many wells in there. This team cannot execute when there's runners on base. Let's see. Uh, not yesterday. Tuesday, the third. They scored. They had nine hits, two runs against the Tigers. Uh, what was it? Wednesday, they won 4-1. to one. They had 11 hits, but they only scored 4 runs. 
and then yesterday they had nine hits and scored one run. Meanwhile, the Tigers had 13, only four more hits than you, and they scored eight runs total. What are we doing? Did I not tell you that this team has consistency issues? And there's been times where I've said, oh, the consistency, they're being very consistent. But I've always said during that stretch or during this amount of time that they're consistent. The entirety of the regular season, they have not been consistent. And that is very evident right now as they are in a 3-for-7 in their past 10-game slump. They are currently second in the division at one and a half games back. Five and a half games back are the New York Yankees. Oh, and by the way, you only have three games on them in the loss column, which is really the only column that matters in baseball is the loss column. If you have less losses, you're doing good. You are two and a half games up on the Oakland Athletics for the first wildcard spot. Meanwhile, the Yankees are one and a half back from the second. Blue Jays, two and a half. Mariners, three and a half. Mariners, I'm telling you, they're in it. They're in it. Anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. The Red Sox should have went out, and I don't know if they, you know, if Adam Frazier was the right choice, but at least he has a tremendously high average, and you could have really used him because I am not sold on Kike Hernandez being your leadoff hitter. You could have had Frazier in the outfield. You could have had Frazier at second base. Then you could have had Kike wherever Frazier wasn't playing play that position. I understand, you know, I, I hyped up Jaron Duran a lot, and deservingly so. He's our third best prospect in our system, and currently he's not playing all that well. You know what? That happens. That happens. You know, players come up from the minor leagues, they either perform very well or they, they, uh, they're in a slump. Right now, Duran is hitting 167 in 54 plate appearances. 51 at-bats, he only has nine hits. I don't think him going back down to Worcester for a little bit to kind of tweak and do this and do that wouldn't be a bad idea. That happens all the time. Phillips Valdez, the relief pitcher, he made the roster out of opening uh, out of spring training, struggled early in the season, went down to Worcester for a couple months. Now he's back up, and he's performing very well ever since he came back up. I think Jaron Duran could use a little bit of that, in my humble opinion, because he is struggling as of late. And that's okay. He's only 24 years old. This is his first stint in the big leagues. It's going to happen. However, the Red Sox lack of aggression or activity at the trade deadline. Actually, no. I'll admit it. Their activity at the deadline was pretty good. They made three trades at the deadline. It's just what they didn't do or the moves they didn't make. Now, the Yankees paid very high for Anthony Rizzo. They gave two top 15 prospects. It was like 12 and 15 or something like that. However, they paid for more prospects or they paid with better prospects by not having to pay his salary. So the uh, the Yankees could have maybe gave you know the 15th and the 20th prospect in their system. However, they would have had to pay the remaining salary of Anthony Rizzo's contract. Something the Red Sox probably didn't want to do, so they would have to give up 12th and 15th. But if they were willing to spend the extra money, maybe they could have got away with only trading their 15th and 20th prospects in their system. And Anthony Rizzo right now is performing very well for the Yankees. And the Yankees are extremely hot right now as they are 8-2 in their last 10 games. Like I said, 
only three games back from you in the loss column and five and a half games back from the division. Now, I was an advocate for the Red Sox to trade for Anthony Rizzo because A, they need a left-handed bat, B, they need another first baseman, and C, Anthony Rizzo's defense is phenomenal, is impeccable. And D, I guess if you want to say, you know, he's he was a prospect in our system before we traded him away for Adrian Gonzalez back in 2010, I want to say. So, where does this leave the Red Sox right now? With the lack of uh I don't want I, I don't want to say the lack of activity at the deadline because like I said they made tri- three moves. It's just they didn't make the right moves. They brought in Hansel Robles, another relief pitcher. Great. He got torched yesterday. They traded away Michael Chavis because they had too many guys on the active roster and he wasn't really fitting in. You know, sure, whatever. <laughs> and Kyle Schwarber is basically your main guy that you brought in and he's A, injured, and B, never played first base, but you expect him to. Doesn't make sense in my opinion. And I heard on the radio today, that maybe Kyle Schwarber is here for not just first base, but maybe he's here to also play the outfield. I mean, he's a left and right fielder right now. Could he be out there? You know, could there be something going on? You you move Verdugo to center, throw Schwarber in left, Hunter Renfro maybe. You know, he he gets some time off. Like I said, Jaron Durant could be going back down to Worcester for a couple of weeks before September call-ups. Maybe the Red Sox aren't pleased with you know, Kike Hernandez playing center field. You still do have a second baseman problem because you're just rotating Kike, Marwin Gonzalez, and uh, um, was Michael Chavis for a bit. Christian Arroyo when he's healthy. I I just, I don't know. This Red Sox team has put a very sour taste in my mouth, and I don't like it because I know this team is better than this, and they've proven it through the first four months of the season. Now, currently, they're still on track for, like, what, 87 wins, I believe I saw or heard on the radio. 87, 88 wins, which at the beginning of the season, we would have taken. I I know, I think the over-under for the Red Sox was 81.5, and and I took the over, so I'm still making my money. But after the first four months of the season and how it was portrayed, and at one time this team being a projected 100-win team, 87 wins is a failure. It is an absolute failure at this point to win 87 games. Now, the, you should be able to win the division, easily win 94 or so games, win the division, and you should be able to, I don't want to say have the best record in the American League because, you know, the White Sox are still very dangerous. The Astros are still very dangerous. So I don't want to go that far. But at least you're in contention for the best record in the American League. And I'm not even going to start with the National League because the Giants are just performing, playing baseball, great baseball out of their ass. The Dodgers, the Padres, the Brewers, they're still all there. So I'm not going to go with the best record in baseball. No. It's, it's, you're looking at this team. They're past, not just past 10 games, but just their play in general ever since the trade deadline, which is basically what? Uh, how many games has that been? One, two, three, four, five, six, six games. Not good. You get swept by the Tampa Bay Rays in a crucial, crucial weekend series. You lose two or three to the Tigers, who suck. 
But, you know, then again, they're also making a little bit of noise. You know, 53 and 58, 11 games back in the division. Well, in their division, ooh, you got to watch out for that. You know, they're a serious team. You lost two of three to those bums. You scored two runs, four runs, and then one run in each of those three games respectively. Now, could I just be looking at this small picture? Maybe. But if we look at it big picture, we've seen the Red Sox offense do this in the past and go through ups and downs. Respectively, every team goes through ups and downs. But team, but a team that is projected for 100 wins, the division title, arguably the best record in the American League, potential Super Bowl favorite, uh, Super Bowl, Jesus, potential uh, World Series champions, uh, projected, you know, deep playoff run team, can't can't go one and five in their last six games and three and seven in their last ten. Meanwhile, you know, granted the Rays are five and five, but they did sweep you. The Yankees are eight and two. The Blue Jays are eight and two. And the Mariners are also, I mean, they're four and six in their last ten, but they're only three and a half games back from the wild card. So there are there are a lot of variables to take into consideration here. And to make matters worse, if we want to look ahead, you have four games against the Blue Jays coming up this weekend. Two of them are tomorrow, a doubleheader, day-night doubleheader. You have today, first pitch at 7.07. Tomorrow, 3.07. Again tomorrow at 7.07. And then Sunday, which is going to be brutal because it's a 1 o'clock game. Wow, you're having three games start in under 24 hours. That's going to be brutal. Especially, uh, at least you have an off day afterwards. But when was your last off day? Was it Monday? Was it this past Monday after the race in between the Tigers? It was. Okay, so expect a lot of moving pieces this weekend. Not just, you know, in terms of roster maneuvering, but just, you know, in lineups. You know, expect, you know, Marwin Gonzalez to be playing shortstop or some shit like that. <laughs> so, and then, oh, if it gets any better, those four games against the Blue Jays, say you was to win all four of them, you push the Blue Jays back, and if you lose all four of them, well, the Blue Jays are going to jump you in the standings. Believe it or not. Uh, actually, no, was it a five-game difference? So you will still have a half-a-game lead on the Blue Jays. Whoa. Wow, half-game lead on the Blue Jays. But to make matters worse... The series right after that four-game series against the Blue Jays is three games against the Tampa Bay Rays, who you just got swept by. These next seven games could potentially determine what will happen to the Red Sox come season end. I'm telling you, it's that crucial. It is that crucial for the Red Sox to be successful over the weekend and into next week. And then next weekend they play against the Orioles. And then, you know, they play against the Yankees in New York. But, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead. These next seven games, four against the Blue Jays, three against the Rays, are super critical. You can push the Blue Jays back down into the bottom of the barrel. Or you can elevate them. And you could also reclaim the division title. Or get further away from it. All in a matter of a week. All in a matter of one week, seven uh, seven games. Six days. Wait, what? Today, Sunday. 
Oh, I'm losing. I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs> Today, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Th- yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Whatever. You know, I, I I give. I don't care about the math. Seven games. Seven games. These next seven games, I cannot stress enough. If the Red Sox blow it, go one and six, two and five, God forbid, swept, done. I mean, two and five, maybe not, but one and six, zero oh and seven, done. I'm done with them. They cannot do this and expect to be successful later in the season. I understand why the Red Sox didn't go out and get a Max Scherzer or a Joey Gallo. But there was no excuse not to get an Anthony Rizzo. There was no excuse to not go out and address... I mean, I guess they addressed uh, the left-hand bat outfielder need in Kyle Schwarber, so I will give them that. It's just he's injured, and we haven't really been able to see anything yet. We don't know what we're going to get. Plus, he's expected to play first base. So that's still questionable, but at least something was addressed. And if you want to argue pitching, fine. I was on the, you know, I was in the, the, the corner with a few people that they didn't really need to address pitching. But I, I understand with the argument, you know, Tanner Houck is still unproven, but he's playing well. You don't know what you're going to get with Chris Sale. Uh, Martin Perez has sucked. Uh, Garrett Richards has blown. I, I get that. So could you have gone a, you know, a rental starting pitcher? Absolutely. Should you have? Sure. I don't think they needed to. I think, you know, the lineup was a bigger issue. But we will really see this team, true colors, these next seven games. And I cannot stress that enough. I re- I'm really worried. I, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, guys. I really do. But I'm trying to give it to you straight here. I'm really worried about the Red Sox in these next seven games. If they perform well and sweep both teams, we're, we're doing good. We're, we're doing good. We're in a good spot. Because then you got the Orioles coming up. That should be a little bit of a cakewalk. Go 8-2, and 9-1 and one in those 10 games. Then you got the Yankees coming up. You know, that's a, like I said, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. You will either perform very well, reclaim the, the division crown, or, you know, be within a game from the Rays. Or you'll be the th- uh, third, maybe fourth in division by this time next week. True colors are going to be shown tonight, tomorrow and the rest of the weekend, and all of next week until we talk about, until, you know, Friday's episode of Merce Boston Sports Talk next week. But obviously we'll be able to address the Blue Jays series come Monday. But folks, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, that is going to do it for today's episode of Merce Boston Sports Talk. I know we didn't really talk about it mu- uh, much. We talked about a little bit about the Patriots, Cam, Mack, then we talked about Joe Juan Williams in the secondary, and then obviously a bunch about the Red Sox just now. I just think they're important topics that needed to be addressed. They really do. And I honestly believe that you agree with me in that because not much else is going on right now. Red Sox have been really the only thing or baseball has really been the only thing the past uh, couple months now. Football is finally now just heating up and it's, you know, really, really heating up fast. So, oh, man. Monday's episode 
is going to be interesting because I could be in a good mood or a bad mood. But also, I, I don't know. I don't know. Come Friday's episode next week. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. But anyways, I don't want to keep you here any longer than you have to be. Thank you so much for uh, downloading, listening, and enjoying. I really appreciate all the love and support over on the YouTube channel and, of course, on all the audio-only platforms as well. You can find me on Spotify, Apple, uh, I can't think of it, Google, Amazon, Syncify, and many others as well. And in addition to YouTube, of course, if you're listening on YouTube, please, please, please make sure you like this video if you enjoyed the episode. Please comment down below. Let me hear your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, anything of the like. And then also, if you haven't already, please consider subscribing as I would also really appreciate it if you could do that as well. Reach out to me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at Murphs underscore Boston ST, where the ST stands for Sports Talk. I will see you guys in the next episode for Monday. Hopefully you have a great weekend. Let me check the weather real quick. Although I'm not a weatherman, but I still like to be optimistic. Today is obviously very nice. Tomorrow is going to be 88, and Sunday we're going to expect 30% of rain, but it's going to be 81, and the next week is looking beautiful. So, like I said, that's going to do it for today's episode. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Go Sox. Go Mac Jones. Please win the quarterback battle. I will see you on Monday for episode 79 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk, but between now and then, you know that I love you. You know that I will always see you. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.